Welcome back, everybody, to another brand new episode. This is the best of the best presented by the Maverick teams. I am very excited for today's episode. It's someone that I do business with. I now consider a friend and it's one that's very interesting, very unique. I think you all will learn something from it. However, as usual, before we jump into this interview, I think this is the first interview of season three. So shout out to the guests for being the first. But before we go into that interview, I want to touch upon a few things. Number one, as always, make sure to visit the social media pages for this podcast and also the podcast network. You can follow along at TBOTBpod, at TBOTB network, and go check it out. See what you like, see what you don't like. Maybe there's some episodes on there that you hear some recaps and you wanna go back and listen. It's also a cool place because I've noticed that when you subscribe to the podcast, which please subscribe if you have not, the platforms aren't the best at sending the push notification that an episode is live and ready for you to listen to. But with social media, we're telling you when an episode is out, when it's live, you can hear a clip of it. So go follow along with that. It would mean a lot if you can subscribe. I would appreciate that. But before we go into this week's interview, once again, I'm going to throw a little disclaimer out there for legal reasons, as you very well know. Everyone, please remember that the discussions on this podcast are for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. Now, I want to jump into this week's interview, the first interview of season three and one that I'm very, very excited about. So Miles, add that music in and let's go right into the interview. As you heard in the intro, we have someone that I've been very excited to speak to. His name is Matt Spritz. He's the managing partner at the Spritz Group. It is a lobbying firm based in South Florida. They also have an office in Tallahassee. So without further ado, let's welcome Matt Spritz on the best of the best. <laughs> Thanks, Maverick. It's a pleasure to be here. I feel like we need one of those like applause tracks in the I background. Know. Right? I know. Maybe they'll add one. Maybe the production team, Miles, will uh, add one in there. You got to have like a cool like Foley artist like in the background you know yeah. like with uh <laughs> with all sorts of neat sounds where it's like a keyboard and they're like punching up exactly <laughs> exactly but matt you are someone that we've been doing business together yes. you've turned into a friend honestly and you're someone that i wanted to invite on the podcast because honestly this is season three of this podcast i think this is episode 80 now maybe wow i don't know where we are somewhere around 70s 580, somewhere around there. I should probably know. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah. But I really wanted to bring you on because I've stayed away from politics on the show. I don't talk politics on the show just because of the political atmosphere in today's country. It's very polarized. But I think that what you do for a living is so specific and you're working in South Florida, obviously. But I think what's most important here is this is a place meaning the podcast where people come, they listen to different people, what they do for a living. What you do for a living is very unique. 
people aren't really exposed to what goes on in that world. They don't know much about it. But what I want to encourage everyone throughout this episode to do is if they're interested in getting into the political atmosphere, whether that's being an elected official, being someone else, whatever it may be, I want them to understand that this is an avenue as well that you can dabble in politics. So why don't we start by, I'll give you the floor for the next you know, couple of minutes, explain sort of your background, how you got to where you are today, and then also sort of what your day-to-day entails in what you do for a living. Sure. So uh, you know, something you touched on before I get into myself that I think is, is really interesting is how you, you said you don't really talk about politics on this show. And so in terms of what I do, you know, even though what I do is is certainly part of the political process, you know, I, I don't necessarily lobby for an ideology. It's more about representing clients that have an interest, and in my case, state and local government. There are certainly lobbyists in, in D.C. that lobby on federal issues or, you know, rules or, or federal procurements. You know, I, I'm a Florida state and local specialist. My own politics are my own politics. I have relationships on both sides of the aisle. Any any good lobbyist should and would. Although, you know, anyone could Google me and know what my politics are because there's a lot on the internet right. um, like anyone else. So in terms of, of how I got into this you know, this is a bit of a second career for me. Um, I'm going to be 40 uh, next month. Um, and I spent you know, 10 years as a corporate litigator at some pretty big firms. Uh, I am an attorney, uh, graduated from NYU Law School, you know, was, a, like I said, a corporate litigator for almost 10 years and was never really satisfied with it, to be perfectly candid. Um, you know, I, I for a number of different reasons, which right. aren't really important to this conversation, um, except to say that if you're fortunate enough to sort of know what you want to do, go do it, Right don't necessarily do something because like you want a paycheck or because it's a safe thing to do. I mean, that's not, you know, the way to really be happy or satisfied in your vocation. It's, um, you know, obviously it employs risks in terms of really going after the thing that you want to do. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to pivot. So I, I spent almost 10 years as a corporate litigator, got to a, a place where I was a fairly senior associate at a large national law firm. And, just kind of saw the road ahead and thought, and this was, I was about, I was in my early thirties. So, you know, about eight years ago and thought, I don't really want to do this. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be, you know, I, I, like I saw the path before me. I saw what was, you know, what the next steps were in that road. And I, I really wanted to do something else. And what I had always wanted to do, you know, and I, I was, you know, involved in student government and college. I, you know, was a debate kid in high school, you know, 20 years ago. And, um, you know, I'd always been sort of politically minded, politically active. I, yeah. you know, I, I studied political science in college and history, um, is really be in the world of public policy. Um, and so I went from, you know, being a senior associate at a large national law firm to <laughs> essentially quitting my job and, and going to work as a campaign manager on a state Senate race. Wow. Which is like a complete, I in mean, Florida in Florida. Okay. So you were in New York, right? No, I was in Florida at the time. Okay. So I right. started my legal career in New York. I'm, I'm still barred in New York. I'm also barred in Florida. So I no, I was already in Florida gotcha. at that point. Gotcha. Um, I'd practiced in Florida for, uh, uh, three or four years. Got I'd it. Say. Got it. But honestly, it was like the best professional move that I ever made. Um, you know, obviously, I made a lot less. And, you know, it's a job for those who really want to get into politics that typically you take like right out of college when you're just trying to get you like wet behind the ears, right? 
but I did it. You know, I got my foot in the door and and I did whatever I needed to do to just take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and and that particular race, I we didn't win, but um, it led to another opportunity which I took advantage of because once you're in the political process, especially at a state or local level where things are much more connected and if you're good and you work hard, like people will see that and they'll notice it. And so that led to another opportunity, which led to another opportunity, which led to another opportunity. Um, and then, you know, before you know it, I'm somebody who is, you know, run multiple races, who has worked inside of our state's legislature, who got a chance to run uh, for office as a, a candidate, uh, someone who was the legislative affairs director for a state agency. Um, and then finally, I was able to put it all together in terms of like, you know, building relationships at each stop and taking advantage of, you know, sort of everywhere that I had been and the experience um, to opening a, up my own government affairs firm. Um, and that was four years ago. And I'm, I'm very proud of where I am now, proud to have clients like, you know, create every opportunity and, and proud to work with people like you have. I mean, it's great. But it's a lot of work. I mean, you know, you, you I went from something that was very safe yeah. and um, frankly very lucrative in terms of what right. I was making to like basically saying, I don't care if I make no money for four or five years and I just can put in the sweat equity. And now on the back end, it's, it's really paying off. And I absolutely love what I do. I love my clients. I go to work every day and I run my shop and it's amazing. What was the push that brought you to opening up the Spritz Group? Was there someone that said, Matt... You have these connections now. You've gone through the hoop, sort of. Or what was that push like? What was the reason that you started the Spritz Group? Yeah, that's a great question. And and listen, I mean, anyone who's an entrepreneur, right? I mean, it's always terrifying, right? You like go out and you're like, yeah. all right, I'm going to make the investment. I'm going to open something up. You know, I wouldn't advise just anyone to just hang a shingle. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. So I, I think it was after I I left. I was the legislative affairs director for a state agency and I, I left that position and I was thinking, I was basically deciding between going to work for another state agency, going to work for a firm or going and opening up my own shop. And I, I realized- A firm, you mean a, a lobbying firm? Uh, yes. Okay, another, not a law firm. Uh, well, there are a lot of law firms that do government relations right. work. Um, but you weren't going back to the law, quote unquote. No, and you if wanted... I went to a law firm, I would have gone to a law firm that had a, as, a, as a government affairs, affairs Got it. person, not necessarily as a lawyer or a litigator. Okay, I see. Um, you know, and I had firms that I spoke to that were like, "Listen, we'll, we would bring you in on, on government affairs, but we still want you to do litigation work." And I was like, "Listen, I just spent you know five years of sweat equity to get away from that." You know, so I thought about it, and I I said, "You know what?" At the time, I wasn't married. I didn't have children. I, I do now. I was able to take the risk. And I, I said, you know, I got to do this. I got to do this for myself. I have my vision. I was at a point where, I mean, I was like 35, 36 years old, and I, I didn't want to be in a position, Maverick, and I'm sure you appreciate this, where I was having someone else sort of tell me how to run my business. Right. I knew enough at that point to know what I wanted to do, to have the vision in terms of what I wanted to do. And I knew I had the skills to get there because I'd, I'd gone through the hoops. I checked the boxes. And so I took the risk. And it's like, you know, my, my dad has a great expression that, like, we were talking about this, like, when I first opened. And it came up actually a couple weeks ago in a conversation that, like, you build an ocean one drop at a time. Right. Right. And so right. it's not an overnight thing. I mean, it's very slow. It's, very, you know, you have to have the drive and you got to have that, you know, that sort of gear. Um, you know, there's a lot of different pieces you have to put together, but yeah. it, but it, it's, I mean, it's like magic when it yeah. works. It's People amazing. don't understand 
what it takes. I actually saw a video on Instagram, I think, the other day about when you go to start a business, people think that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start a business. But you have to be a professional at your craft, but you also have to design a logo, create yep, a website, exactly, exactly. create your tax structure, create your legal documents. All of that. All that stuff. That yep. goes into making a business, which costs money, costs right. time. It, it's exactly branding. Even things like matching fonts from your branding on your logo to your branding on your business cards. I mean, finding you know the right yep. person to help you with that. Like, all of that right. is, is, you know, now I was fortunate I'd run for office, right? Right. So I kind of had a bit of a head start in terms of running a, an organization like that, but it's still, it's a lot of work and you got to put in your own capital too. You got to have the money to, to start of it up. Of course. So if you can say, what was your first client? What was the first one that said, Matt, I believe in you. Yeah. We're going to do this. That's a great question too, because there's still a client. I love um, it. <laughs> so I, I represent a wonderful company based uh, here in Boca Raton called Sox Erosion Solutions, which is fantastic. They literally build living shorelines. You know, when I came onto the Sox team, you know, Sox was a, a really a small company. There were like, you know, maybe four people that worked there. Um, and they were just sort of starting to do certain things now. I mean, you know, Sox has done like over a hundred projects this year and wow. they did a hundred projects last year and they're in all 50 States. Um, I've helped them in terms of like different avenues. I've opened some doors. We're about to do a, a half a mile, uh, length of shoreline in Orlando with the St. John's river water management district. Wow. You know, it's, it, listen, there's a ton of, not to get too far off topic yeah, here, but no, the, no, there, there's a there's a ton of attention in Florida that's being paid to water policy and resiliency specifically. And there's a lot of money that's been appropriated for that purpose. There's a lot of attention to that. What do you mean by resiliency? Um, the impact of flooding, sea level rise, okay. stormwater uh, intrusions. I mean, listen, Miami-Dade County is sitting on limestone that's like slowly sinking into the ocean, right? I right. mean, so so as a state, we have to invest in that. Inf I mean, and this is not a global warming conversation, by the way. This isn't about climate change. This is like looking at the topography of Florida and understanding that as a state, we have to invest in critical infrastructure because people are moving here, because people are living here, and because you nature is nature and, and things are happening that are like just observable. And right. if we don't prepare for those things in our urban planning, you know, we're, we're going to have a major, major problem in, in the not too distant future. And so, um, you know, with that being said, you know, I, I represent this wonderful company that manufactures a suite of patented erosion control and shoreline restoration systems that, you know, they partner with like lake management and construction companies all over the country to deploy. Wow. Um, and they're still a client today. They're still a client today. And that actually, was how long? I actually have a, a meeting with them after this podcast is over at 3.30. How funny is that? Yeah. So what, how long they, ago did they retain that was four, you? Four years ago. Wow. It was four years ago. One, wonderful. I, I love them to death. They're awesome. We do a ton of great work together. Now, did you have them sort of in the back pocket? Like when you were starting it, you knew maybe they were going to hire you or was this sort of random? So I, the first two or three clients I had were people that I had become friendly with when I was running for office okay. and that had supported me when I was running for office. But that does not mean that, like, th I knew that they would hire me to represent them. Yeah, no clue. No clue. I mean, this was, like, basically, you know, part of the – look, when you open up shop, right, part of that process is, like, looking at your network, 
you know, being very scientific about it, right? I mean, you basically make a spreadsheet. I mean, where you're like, you know, here are my, and I've given other people this advice, make a spreadsheet with your 50 best relationships, either because they're going to give you business or because they're going to connect you to business and then go and have breakfast, lunch, and dinner for about two months with everybody on that list and either ask for business or ask to be connected to business. And out of the 50, if you can nail down like three or four, you did great. And that's basically what I did. And I got very lucky that, you know, I, out of the gate was able to, you know, retain a couple of clients. And, um, you know, I, I did a lot of networking and I was out there and, you know, people knew my name and who I was. And, um, you know, over time, what started happening is as I was, you know, scoring wins for people, then I started getting referral business from current clients, um, where it's, you know, Hey, listen, you know, you're looking for someone you should call Matt. They help, you know, Spritz Group. Kind of like I did the other day with those two guys that you met with. Yes, absolutely. Um, And I have another call with them tomorrow. So thank you for that. Um, uh, But exactly right. And so, um, you know, that's also part of running your own shop is that, you know, you you can't just go out there and generate business. Like you got to, once you get the business, you got to keep your clients. You got to hustle. It's 24 hours a day, man. Yeah. And so I'm going to pivot here for a second because I think what's super fascinating to me is how you work in politics, but you kind of don't work in politics, right? It's almost like you do, but you don't. You're half in, you're half out. And so if you describe sort of what you do in a couple sentences, what would that be? Yeah, no, and and that's a great question too, because I think a lot of people hear like that you're a lobbyist and they confuse it with being a political consultant which are completely different things. All right, let's break that down because I I think I'm still confused. Yeah, so a political consultant is someone that like a candidate would hire to like run their race for them or an advisor on a campaign that's like giving strategic advice to a candidate, let's just say. That's a political consultant. A lobbyist is a public policy advocate, someone that you would hire if you are looking to change policy, looking to keep policy the way it is, and that could be at the state level, at the local level, someone who's looking to do business with government right? And that's not to say that those aren't two sides of the same coin, because they are. They're linked in a lot of ways. Like, I meet with a lot of candidates. I do a lot of fundraising for candidates. That's part of the relationship building process, right? right? Um, but it's kind of separate, though, a but little it's, bit. But, well, I, I always like to say that there are some people that try to do both, and they end up not doing either particularly well, <laughs> right? Like, I think it's like, pick one side and stay on that side. And and listen, I get calls from people where they're like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about running, da 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 and I'm just like, call my friend so-and-so, Yeah. right? I mean, and that's the best way to do it. And in my estimation, now not everyone shares that view, um, but that's the fundamental difference is, you know, think of a lobbyist as like an advocate, but in front of government, whether it's, you know, the state legislature, a state agency, a regional agency, like a water management district, a school district, a county commission, a city, right? You can sort of work your way down. And it's not necessarily something that's inherently political either, right? So like I represent a number of nonprofits where, you know, they're working in a space where they're looking for like an appropriation because they want to help kids, right? That's not political at all. Right. Um, that's someone that that is in the community doing amazing work with incredible public ROI, right? That they just need help getting noticed. And so, um, you know, that's something that I do routinely and it's incredibly rewarding. Can I ask you a question? And I, I had a criminal defense attorney on and I asked him the same question. Sure. When you pick and choose, because I guess it's a little bit different than the criminal defense attorney, because do you pick and choose who you bring on? Like, if I came to you with a controversial issue that morally Matt doesn't necessarily agree with, yep. are you taking them on because you believe? Probably not. No, you're not. Probably not. 
Probably not. Because what I love about you, Matt, is you have a focus on education. You have a focus on helping, right? What you're doing right. with uh, Socks, I think, is the name of yep. the company, yep. right? Yep. These, are, these are companies, I love what you said, the public ROI on it is yeah, extremely it's high. It's massive. So is that your focus area is helping companies that you morally and ethically align with? So um, I wouldn't say that's the focus, right? Because there could be an issue where like I may not be passionate about it or I don't necessarily like personally care, care. about, but like before the, you know, something comes to me and then when they come to me, I'm like, wow, this is great. I should get involved and, and help with this. Right. Right. So it's not like it's pre-existing, but I don't take stuff on that I don't, you know, one of the things that I pride myself on also is my brand, yep. right? And that stands for like integrity. People who do business with me know that I'm honest. I'm very transparent, you know, with my clients. I never say, oh yeah, I can do this, this, and this if I can't do it. And a lot of lobbyists do that, which is like not so great. So if I don't feel like I can advocate in a full-throated way, then no, then I won't take something on. And I've I've absolutely turned down clients for one reason or another, um, including that I wasn't ethically or morally aligned. Interesting. Um, and I mean, look, look at it slightly differently. The people that I have relationships with in government, which you've seen, and yeah. it's, it's broad. I mean, it's yeah. expansive. Part of that is that those people can trust that I vetted my clients. Right, they know if I'm bringing that person in, that that's someone they trust you. They trust me, yep. and they know that I can vouch for this person in you know whatever way that needs to happen. But that that I've done my homework. Right. The moment that I step outside that is the moment that I destroy my brand and destroy my credibility, and I just can't have that. No, and that's exactly it. That's what I love so much about you as a businessman, right? I think, funny enough, Matt and I shared a very long car ride from Tallahassee <laughs> back to Boca together. It was like seven hours, right? Yeah, it was like six and a half, six, something like that. Six yeah. and a half hours. You get to know someone pretty well when you're sitting in the car next to them for six and a half hours. And something truly, Matt, that I respect a ton about you is that if you take a client on, you told me this one time, you make them feel like they're your only client. And I think that's so important because I think a lot of people, right, they want to take the money, they want to say they can do X, Y, or Z, and then they don't deliver on it. And, you know, are you really going to go out and bash their name and destroy? Maybe if they've royally fucked up. But the opposite end of that spectrum where you say and deliver upon what you can actually yeah. do and what you say yeah. you're going to do, that's the difference maker right there. And I think that's what's so respectable about Thank someone you. like you, where if Matt tells me that, hey, we're going to get this done, I know 100% we're going to get it done. Or right. even if he says, I can try and get this done, I know that it's not 100% guarantee, but he's going to try his best. Yeah. Um, whereas other people that tell me that I would have zero trust in what they were telling me, right? So I think it's important to point that out. Now, in terms of lobbying, But right? also, by the way, why you would feel comfortable referring me to someone else. And then why I have referred you and to someone And why you have else. referred me to someone else. Exactly. But that matters. Reputation matters. A I reputation mean, always you know, matters. Everything. It is everything. So I want everyone to understand, do you have any team members or is it only Matt? So in terms of like the government like yes. relation side of it, it's me. Right. But in terms of like, do I have like support staff and that I work with? Yes. I mean, I have people that are doing admin functions for the Of firm. course. And I want everyone to understand that because there's some other lobbying firms out there where there's a plethora of people. You may get assigned a whole team if you're the client, right? But I can promise you that when you are the type of person that Matt is, 
you're going to feel much better having one person than a ton of people. It's almost like the saying, right? Like you'd rather have one or two close friends than a hundred fake friends. Well, it's the attention. I mean, you're, you're going to get the personalized attention. So you're not going to get some junior associate. You're going to get me, you know, and that, and that really matters. It does it, matter. It really matters in terms of, of issue focus. And, and again, if I don't have the bandwidth, I'm just not taking it. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Um, so, but, when, I, but I will say this. Yeah. I'm definitely in a position where at this point I'm looking at expansion. I know we and, talked and about we talked that. about this in terms of what that would look. Got to like. find the right person. That's I got to find the right person down. and the right you know. But for right now, I, you know, it's me and I'm you know going 100 miles an hour for all of my clients and winning. And that's what you got to do. But so talking about lobbying, right? So yes, is that define what that means to those that don't understand? It's public policy advocacy work. That's the best way I can break it down. Well, I mean, look, I'll, I'll use the yeah. the NIL example, right? I mean, we we went to Tallahassee and we built relationships with a couple of state legislators, but one in particular where they were looking at the name, image, and likeness law in Florida and, and making tweaks to that. And we advocated I, successfully and vociferously for the inclusion of well, let me back up. There was a discussion about teaching financial literacy skills and life skills to college athletes as part of the name, image, and likeness yeah. program, yeah. If, as you were, in Florida. Because, you know, these kids are, I mean, these are great skills in general, right? But especially if you're a college athlete and you sign an NIL deal and you're making seven figures in college, you need to understand, like, what a credit card is. You need to understand yeah, negotiating a contract, right? Like, you, these are just, you have to understand these things. And we have an obligation in Florida to take care of our athletes and make sure that they're armed with these skills. And so we advocated vociferously for that program, for the workshops that were going to be required of athletes to not just be like a straight financial literacy course, but to be like a more comprehensive workshop that included entrepreneurship and life skills. Because at the end of the day, like, again, these kids are marketing themselves, they're branding themselves, they're negotiating contracts, signing contracts, you know, you don't want them to fall victim to fraud or anything like that. And, you know, that was part of what we did. And, and again, so that would be considered lobbying because right. we advocated for specific language to go into that bill, which then became Florida statute. Right, right. Um, but it's not always like that. Sometimes it's the reverse. Sometimes someone wants a bad change in the law. And they don't necessarily realize the ripple effect of that change. And so you, you know, either you're a company, an association, a nonprofit, whatever, you know, want to go and meet with them and say, listen, you know, if you do X, all of these bad things are going to happen. And right. so you don't want to do that. It could be that you're a company that's wanting to do business with government at all levels, right? You could be a nonprofit that's trying to help kids in a school district and you want to be able to get, you know, into, into I have a, a client that goes into public schools and teaches elementary kids like basic safety skills, right? As Because I mean, like, you know, you're, you're preventing sexual it's necessary, abuse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's required by the state, but it's really important, right? And so, um, you know, I have a client, a nonprofit, profit in a very age appropriate values neutral way goes into public schools and like you know teaches basic safety skills to elementary kids right but how do they talk to a school district through you through me because i understand how to navigate that process so it, it's a, it's a lot of different forms but i would describe it generally as public policy advocacy work what's your favorite part about being a lobbyist oh my god um 
I think it's that it challenges me to use like all of the various parts of my brain strategically. Right. Right. It's not just, I'm not just going straight ahead. I'm seeing the entire field and there's a, a number of different ways to get from like, you know, the 20 into the end zone and I get to call the plays and I get to kind of figure out what the best way to get there and, and the best way to score the touchdown, in or, you know, to use the sports analogy. But, uh, but I think I, that's it. But I think that's so important that you point that out and pull that out is because I think a lot of people that come to you and I'm speaking totally out of my ass here. So correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I think they would come to you with sort of, Matt, this is what we want to do. Right. And you put it together of that's how right. we're going to do it. But I would say probably sometimes people come to you, well, we're going to go about it this way. Can you do this for us? And you're like, well, hold on a second. If you go about it this way, then X, Y, or Z, why don't we go about it the other way? And this way we mediate those risks. We don't go down yeah. that path. Is that what you do? How I would say, let me ask a question. A it's different all way. that. How many times, you know, out of 10 times are people coming to you with what they think they want to do? And how many times are people coming to you with, Matt, what should we do here? So the what should we do here in some ways is harder because then the client doesn't necessarily know what they want. Got it. Right. And, that's then fair. and then they're looking at me to tell them what they want, which is that's harder. I've done that and yeah. I do that. But it's actually a lot easier when client comes in or potential client comes in and says, you know, Matt, this is what we want. Got it. Right. And I can supplement that and say, but wait, don't you also want this other thing? And then yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, of course we do. And then we end up doing both things anyway. But clients that have a clear idea like what a win looks like is easier than me dictating to them what a win looks like. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's all of that, though. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a part of a team and I'm advising them in terms of, you know, how to get the, yeah. you know, how to get the ball across the end zone. I love it. I love it. What would be your advice to someone that wants to be a lobbyist? <laughs> so that, you know, it's funny because I do talk to people that are like potentially interested in that. Yeah. That's a hard, you know, it's not like when I was a practicing lawyer you know, I would always say, well, like, don't go to law school unless you want to be a lawyer. Well, uh, before you answer this question, do you need anything? I always wondered this to be a lobbyist. Like, do you need to have a law degree? No. Do you need to graduate from college? No, do you need you, to have you anything? You actually don't. But I will say that being a lawyer helps because I can read statute. I can read ordinances. Of course. It just... It, what it, about graduate high school? You need to graduate high school to be a lobbyist? Um... Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm. It, it's a it, look. A lobbyist, might, is, a, a lobbyist is like any other consultant. Okay? okay. So you have to register on behalf of your clients. There's like you know whether it's the state, whether it's like you know a county or a school district. Register in terms of hey, this company X, Y, or Z has hired, hired me. Yes, you have to okay. declare that Got because it. you're you know a lot of times you're dealing with matters of public importance right. and public expenditures and that right. sort of thing. So there's a transparency built in, but it's not like as a lawyer you have like the rules regulating the Florida bar. Like yeah. that's not how it works when you're a lobbyist. But it helps if you're a lawyer. It helps if you're a lawyer. But I again. I wouldn't go to law school unless you're like going to go practice as a lawyer. Yeah, um, that's why that's, I left after 13 days. <laughs> well, that's what I used to tell people as a lawyer, like don't go to law school unless you want to be a lawyer. But as a lobbyist, you know, my advice is that, you know, you have to put a lot of skills together to be good. Like it isn't just, hey, I have relationships or, hey, you know, I know this one area of policy really well, which I mean, there are people that like they were like the chief of staff for an agency. And so they go it's to some firm and then they're that agency's like, you know, Lisa, environmental, environmental person or something. You have to think about like, how am I going to generate business like anything else? Right. How am I going to service that business? Do I have the relationships? Do I have the knowledge? Do I have the experience and expertise? It's all of those things. So my advice would be that you have to make an extraordinary investment in 
time and relationship building and understanding policy. Like you have to check a lot of boxes inside government. You know, there are people who are like never in government and then they decide to go be lobbyists. And I'm just like, I have no respect for those people to be perfectly candid. Um, I probably shouldn't have said that on a podcast, but like there are lobbyists I know who never worked in government. And I'm just like, what are you doing? But let me, let me push back on that. Why is that? Does it bother you because you think that being in politics prior to becoming a lobbyist sets you up? Well, it's up. like anything else. You got to pay your dues. But I think more than that, it's like you, you have to. Yeah, but pay your dues. What if someone's built relationships outside of a political arena, I okay, guess? Okay, and then, and then let's get to the technical side of it where like you have a client that's like, hey, did you file my appropriation? And you're like, yeah, I talked to representative so-and-so about it. That's not even one-tenth of what's Yeah, required. but you don't think those people that have no governmental experience aren't doing those things? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Okay. Depends. Fair point. It depends. I, I would push back on you on that part. It depends. And it's also very hard to build relationships with people inside government unless you were like yourself inside government. Right. That was going to sort of be it's, my next and, question. And by the way, there's another piece, which is that, you know, you're thinking about relationships with elected officials. A lot of the best relationships are relationships with staff. And those are the people that you know because you worked with them when you were staff. Got it. So really, to get a foot in the door, it's, hey, who's your chief of staff or who's your aide? And through your aide, we're going to grow that relationship with that higher up i guess if it's me if someone were asking me like what's the best way to like get into it and really like be successful is you know take the time to wear different hats inside of government like if it's at the state level for example mm. you know run campaigns go be an aide go work you know be a committee staffer even though i never did that go you know work at an agency Go, you know, if you can work inside the governor's office, go work inside the governor's office. Go get the experience. Go get the experience and understand a lot of different areas of policy and build those relationships out. And then, you know, and then you can potentially come out and do it. I'm not going to lie, though. Part of my, you know, experience is I also ran for office, right? So that was a big piece of it where, like... What did you run for? I ran for the state house. Okay. I ran for the state house. So I, I got to meet... And in many instances, befriend a lot of really important people like on my side of it. In other words, sitting in the, you know, government relations world, you know, business folks and leaders, um, you know, other lobbyists. I was able to just build the network. Um, and that's probably the best thing that that I could advise. Build the network, you know, learn the policy and then try to put it all together. <laughs> that's interesting. it's not easy it's really not i mean i i think yeah. back on it and i'm like i don't know how i did it because this is like you know l let me give you my perspective on and that's this. not arrogance i'm, I'm great I'm like i'm uh, extremely grateful and Matt, extremely you're least, humble for you're my the least arrogant person i know so i have <laughs> I, you know I, no but it's, I, I'm, I'm like amazed that like i was like able to do it i mean it took a lot of it, i'm still it, there's still sweat equity i'm putting in i mean it's i'm still built you know you're never satisfied maverick you know this yeah, in business but you're always wanting more so this is what i was going to ask right a lot of time these elected official positions have term limits. That's true. And then a new candidate comes yes. in. Yes. So what is that relationship building like? Yeah, because that's, it's that's almost the like challenge. I uh, so uh, I'll challenge. give you an analogy. A close close friend of mine that is a personal trainer. Yeah. Shout out to Jeremy. I don't know. He might listen to this episode. Maybe maybe not. But he's a personal trainer in a college town in East Lansing, Michigan. That's okay. where I met him. 
every four years, he sees new faces, yeah, has to tough. build new clientele. So how do you build those relationships with new people coming in all of the time? Is it constant networking, constant seeing yes. who's sort of coming up from the dirt? Is that what it's like? Yes. Well, yes and no. I mean, so it's like, yeah, you spend eight years building a relationship with someone in the state house, for example, and then they're termed out and you're like, ah, oh, what do I do now? Exactly. That's, yeah, it's that's tough. Crazy. No, listen, it's, it's, that is not an easy thing to do, but you're right. There are avenues where you just have to pay attention to campaigns, focus. That's why I say I meet with candidates all the time. Focus on who's running, be a part of organizations that interview candidates, you know, get yourself in front of people, raise money for people, yep. right? Get good people elected, help them get elected. You know, if they're good people, they'll remember that, right? It's all of those things. You know, in some cases, you can drive around the state and, and walk for people, knock on doors, Interesting. right? That's if you don't have the money necessarily like peace, if you don't have clients that are doing, you know, doing yeah, contributions, you're helping them out in a you can, way. You, can, you can help them out in a different way, but that's that's how it is. And again, for me, you, you know, I'm a small shop, so like I have to be very strategic about that, you know, but I, I've been around for a while. I've, you know, identified people that I know. And, and again, it's, you know, I might get a call from like someone that, I've worked with that's a consultant for like some candidate that's like, hey, you know, I've got this candidate. He's running for office. She's running for office. They're great. Um, do you have any clients? That yeah. Do you have any clients? Like I get those calls too, you know, so it's all of that. And again, and then, and then there's a lot of local stuff I do too, right? So like here in Palm Beach County, you know, the commission is I'm here. Um, school board, I'm here, you know, some cities, you know, I'm here. So it's, you know, that piece of it too. No, it's, it's very fascinating. That was one of the things that I think is sort of a blindness factor to others is you can have someone, like you said, that's been in the Senate for eight years and then see you later. Sayonara, right? And you have to restart that building of a relationship with right. someone new. It's something that's, yeah, that fascinates me all the time. But what do your days look like day to day? Is it meeting with politicians? Is it meeting with your clients? Is it all the above? Is it going to Tallahassee where the capital is? What is it in Taller? Is it different every day? Every day is different. Every day is different. It's all that. I mean, some days I have desk work where I'm just here, you know, catching up on stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, some days I'm like reading bills. I mean, it's like that. Other days I'm, you know, hopping from like a lunch to a coffee to an event. Other days I'm in Tallahassee, you know, other days I'm meeting with a client or strategizing about a conference. It's it's all of that. Have you always been a people person? What do you mean by that? I mean, your job entails you having to hold the conversation with a lot of folks. Start the conversation, do the outreach, ask the questions. Sometimes maybe they're coming to you, but a lot of times I feel like it's on you to build the relationships, to start that conversation, to ask that next question so the conversation flows correctly. Sometimes it's also knowing when to listen. And I know I've done a lot of talking in this conversation, but sometimes like you 100%. have to know immediately when to stop talking and just receive information. Absorb. That's right. Absorb. I say it all the time. If you're, being the youngest in the room a lot of the time, I know when to shut my mouth and when to absorb. Is that something that you've always been that kind of person or is that sort of breaking out of your boundaries, out of your comfort zone to do that? Um, I'll answer the question like this, I guess. Um, I mean, when I was in high school, I was, uh, I did like debate competitions and, you know, I was always very comfortable doing public speaking. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I think it's something that I've always yeah. gravitated towards. Have you been comfortable doing public speaking then? Come I mean, on, I was doing, you? I was doing public speaking in like, you know, in a national tournament type setting when I was 14. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, that's I, not, that's I, not yeah. a concern. So it's kind of always been you. Cause I do know other people in business that it is not like them to go out and have conversations, but they do it anyway, because they know that's what's best for business. Right. One of the last topics I want to focus on is really 
Are there issues that are more controversial than others that you would not take on, like alcohol, tobacco, cannabis, those kinds of issues? Are those ones where you're going to be more hesitant to take them on? Or are there, and I should say hesitant because of public backlash or public persona? And are there firms that specialize in those types of controversial issues? So I'll take those questions one at a time. Um, there are not like firms that specialize in controversy per se. I would hope every firm would evaluate potential clients the same way that I that I do, which is I think you look at it issue specifically, mm -hmm. and then you look at it client specifically. So, you know, it's a question, and, and even within, you know, first of all, I don't think any of the three things you just mentioned yeah. are controversial, right? Yeah. I don't think I don't think any of them are for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. But but even in, you know, like saying like cannabis, within the world of cannabis, there's like literally dozens and dozens and dozens of issues, right? Adult use, medical use, yeah. how you regulate it, how you tax it, right? And so, Something like cannabis is not single issue. Are you a good operator, right? There are some major, major big companies that are in that space. And then you have small operators, right? So I think it just really depends. It's really issue by issue. And then is the client a good actor or a bad actor? Um, and obviously, if they're a bad actor, you can't take them on because of reputational damage, which we yeah. talked about earlier. I mean, I think those are the key questions. But I will say this. I mean, and, and I said this earlier in the podcast. I would never take something on that I have any sort of like moral issue with. Right. So I wouldn't, my politics are my politics and my beliefs are my beliefs. And if I have like a personal or political or moral issue with something, like I can't fully represent that person yeah. or that company or that association or, but you, you don't really run into a lot of that. Um, you know, like I said, I think you have to look at it issue by issue, client by client, and then you make decisions about, you know, what you... Um, you know, how you feel like you could best represent people. But I don't think anything you just mentioned is particularly controversial. Yeah, and I guess I would give a little pushback on it, but I'm not going to go down that road now. I just think it's controversial because of the times that we're living in, right? But I think, I think that goes yeah. back to the good versus bad actors. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And again, this is why you're the lobbyist and I'm the one asking you the questions about right. what lobbying entails is because you can have an issue that maybe is controversial, right. but you can have a good person working on that issue or a good company working on that issue, right? And working on it in an impactful way that's right. a positive way. Right. Whereas you can have someone on the back end that's going to be negative and it's going to do more harm than it is good for the society or for the country or state or city, whatever it is, financially. Right financially in a political world, I guess, is sort of the way I'm thinking of that. I didn't really think about the different actors and the specific companies that go into each industry. And it's not just and companies, by the way, right? Nonprofits, trade right. associations, um, you know, the labor unions, right? They all have lobbyists too. Yeah. You know, and you can say I like- I heard those ones are some- uh, Stubborn ones. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm just like, kidding. Listen, with you. I think even in the world of like labor unions, right? Like yeah. there's huge disparity, not disparity, but there's huge differences, right? So, like, for example, you might look at a teacher's union very differently than you would look at like a firefighter's union, for right. example. And right. their issues are different and their politics are different. And, you know, so it, it just depends. Right. It right. just depends. No, that makes perfect sense. I guess the last thing, Matt, on this podcast. How does someone contact you if they want to? That is a great question. Thank you, Maverick. <laughs> uh, I would encourage anyone listening to visit my website, www.thespritzgroup.com. S-P. That's www.thesprizgroup.com. There you go. You can also email me at spritz 
at thespritzgroup.com. I love it. Matt, seriously, you're an awesome person. I recommend anyone and everyone to you if they need any governmental affairs work done. You're the guy to go to in Florida. And I look forward to seeing all you accomplish. I I can't believe it's only been four years you've been doing this. Seems like you've been doing it forever since when we walk in the uh, Capitol and everyone knows you. So (laughs) take my hat off to you, Well, again, I took the time. Like I say, I I paid my dues. I spent a lot of time working on the other side in that building in government, right? Right. So I've, I've been, the firm is four years old, but I mean, I've been in government for almost 10 years. And I think eight to that's, 10 years at this point. that's what makes you so special. I think that's why you get pissed off at people that come into this that have no political experience is because you've jumped through the hoops that have put you in this seat and you utilize those relationships in the best way possible to be the most efficient, right? You're not going to reach out to someone if it's a BS thing that's going to be a waste of time. And then the next time you reach out to them, they're like, oh, this guy, Matt's reaching out again with another BS issue. You're only reaching out to them if it makes sense for them to actually hear about this, if it's important enough, if there's enough value, if there's enough substance to it, all the above. So Matt, we'll have to do this again soon. Anytime, Maverick. All right. Thank you, Matt. Anytime. Thank you. Matt truly is one of the best of the best in his industry. And after really taking everything into consideration in terms of what our conversation was, what Matt said, what I asked him, and just the conversation that we had, I really encourage the younger generation to think about getting into politics. Maybe you don't go into an elected official position. Maybe you do something like Matt's doing where you're a lobbyist. And what does that mean? What does that world entail? Matt is such a special person. I now consider him a friend. And he's someone that honestly, if you're in that position and I'm speaking for you, Matt, here, go reach out to Matt. Reach out to Matt, ask him questions, set up a call with him. He's always willing to talk to someone or send him an email, share some thoughts with him. I think at the state that this country is in, we need more people like Matt that aren't necessarily elected officials, but they're fighting the good fight. He's helping companies that are impacting in a positive way. And that's so important and we need that. We need those advocates on that level. So like I said, a lot to take away from today's episode and today's interview. But I think if you should take one thing away, it's that we need more mats. We need more people that are honest, that are hardworking in that field. So go talk to Matt if that's something that interests you. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Like I said in the intro, please subscribe. Please share this episode with what I always say is a friend, a family member, a coworker, maybe that random person on the side of the road. Let them know. Say, guess what? You should go listen to my favorite podcast. And they might ask, what's your favorite podcast? You tell them the best of the best presented by the Maverick Teams. Thank you, everyone. 